Welcome back to Wed Locked and Loaded. Wed, 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 locked and loaded. You women. Do not lump us all in one category. You know so you girls, so you girls. And lie and stress the truth. You and try girls. to get us jammed up. First of all, I'm a whole ass woman, right? Think about no that. No disrespect. Sounds like it to me. So why can't y'all, why, what is it with men that they just can't walk away? Walk away. Depends how good it is. You don't want to give that away. Well, I'm here. Hey there. How you doing? Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going? So, I was just, um, I was just introing the show. So, um, for those that are jumping on, um, you know, we want to welcome you to a live edition of Wedlocked and Loaded. Um, and, you know, we are honored to have our licensed therapist, Hassan Ali, with us. And we're just going to have some, some dialogue. You know, we don't want to have a, a all-nighter marathon. Um, <laughs> Leah, Leah is actually busy, <clears throat> um, you know, so um, exactly. I'm, I'm hating a little bit. So, um, so if you don't mind, if you can introduce yourself to the people, um, just, you know, story, background, where you came from, where you – where you are now, how you uh, got into this space. Yeah. Sure. Uh, thanks again for having me on. Um, you know, looking forward to a great dialogue, like you said. Uh, so my name is Hassan Ali. I'm a licensed therapist uh, in New York. I currently work at a outpatient center called Evolve Psychiatry in Massapequa. I have been in the mental health field uh, for about nine years, uh, a breadth of experience in, in grief therapy, uh, substance abuse, depression, anxiety treatment. And uh, have also some case management experience as well. Okay. Uh -huh. And now, um, what made you randomly reach out um, to, you know, a couple of, a couple of married yodels, uh -huh. you know, on Instagram, what made you say, you know what, this would be an interesting conversation? Um, you know, what got to that point? Actually, I'll tell you the truth. I was uh, randomly scrolling online, and I think I saw, like, a sponsored ad for the show. And I clicked on it, and as I was scrolling through, I saw uh, a video commentary that you both did on a Kendrick Lamar skit that was leading <laughs> to the song. And I, you know... I, I listened to the album. It was a great album. If anyone hasn't uh, heard it yet, it's uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar. That was like one of the tracks that stood out, like a toxic back and forth kind of conversation that led into a song, uh, you know, between Kendrick Lamar and I think one of the uh, actors, actresses on one of these shows who, who did a phenomenal job herself. So that kind of made me like interested in what you guys uh, you know, we're about as far as, you know, your podcast, you know, wanted to touch on, uh, you know, the important aspects of, of what makes up a toxic relationship and what doesn't, you know. Right. And yeah. that's definitely a toxic record, um, <laughs> yes. you know, and a friend of mine um, had suggested, they was like, you know what, you two should unpack that song. And I don't know if we actually like really... You know, we tend to have a topic and then we'll get into it and then we end up going somewhere else because Leah can't help herself but to, you know. You're um, the one that can't stay on task. Uh -huh, See how I you're know. doing right now? Yeah, I know. Exactly. So, on you know, now. one of the things that we wanted to talk about and shout out to um, we've had uh, 
you know, love attraction expert, uh, Deanna on in the past. And those um, lives have been received really well. And so, you know, we thought it would be unbelievable to have, um, you know, I don't think you're a self-proclaimed love attraction expert. Maybe you are, right? But uh, we thought we thought it was great to have a male point of view um, into these spaces and actually provide some tools. Because um, one of the things that we talked about on live, well, when we talked privately, I said I really wanted to have not only dialogue, but some tangible uh, tools that people can take from this conversation. Because even if they don't jump on live, you know, they can see this, you know, in perpetuity. So the goal is to be helpful. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, Leah, did you have a question first? Do you want me to jump into the ones that I have? Um, I don't I don't have a, a specific question, um, but tonight's the goal of tonight's um, the topic for tonight, excuse me, was or is um, how trauma impacts your relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's and so a really we good can talk a little bit. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. You were going to finish. You were gonna... Yeah, we can talk a, a little bit about that. Um, that would be great. I think that people think that, um, you know, you know, if they have an issue, it's, you know, it's, it's, just, it's solely their issue and mm. you have to accept, you know, if you want to be with me, you have to accept me for who I am and how I am. Yes. Even if I'm not treating you the way that you need to be, you know, that you right. should be treated. Right. Right. A lot of that stems from just being able to process, you know, great topic. Um, you know, just want to add that I do work with couples and, uh, you know, so one of the kind of cases that's coming up to me is a case I have with um, someone who kind of had like a rough upbringing um, and, you know, we're just now unpacking his trauma. Um, you know, his uh, mother and father were generally unavailable due to being dependent on various substances, primarily alcohol, and because of the inavailability to, to him and his youth, uh, you know, when you're not available as a parent, as a primary, uh, primary caregiver to be there for your kids, your kids don't really always know how to process their feelings, right? They're coming to you, you know, if they're feeling hurt to kind of help them understand how they're experiencing their emotions, whether they're mad or sad or, um, or even happy at times. So, you know, when you're not able uh, to be there uh, in that capacity for your child because you're, you know, consuming substances like alcohol or drugs or anything like that, um, the, the, the child typically feels invalidated. And, you know, the, the feelings are not being addressed. And so that, that forms a kind of wound uh, in the person. And, and it's an emotional wound. And what happens as a result of that is that they could potentially later on as they develop into, uh, you know, and, and get older and go through school, they have to learn how to cope with their emotions in, in, in ways that are typically unhealthy because they're, they're not able to connect they're not able to really recognize how they're feeling if they don't really have mom and dad there with them. And it just so happens that sometimes people end up because of other issues that aren't really addressed, 
Uh, they may end up having conduct issues in school later on, and that kind of will lead them down the road to like feeling, okay, I didn't do so well in school. And it could have been a situation where they actually needed to talk to someone like a social worker or a therapist, and they just never were able to get that support. And then it kind of led them down to like feeling, okay, I'm not smart, or, you know, I have to, you know, I, I won't be able to get a certain kind of job. It kind of like lowers their expectations for themselves, you know, and it can kind of lead to a host of other problems sometimes. So that's one way that trauma can affect a person in a relationship. You know, so so back to um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, did I, I'm, I don't want to cut you off, but you no. said something. So back to low expectations. Can we talk about how that? Um, can we talk about that in in a relationship? Like, what does that look like in in a relationship? If well, you you know, or does that transfer just you know? Are, is it low expectation of self or is it low expectation of how others treat you? Well, sometimes it could, it could very well be okay. that. It could very well be both, you know, low expectations mm -hmm. of the way. That's one of the, one of the uh, causes of depression is not just genetic or, or, or psychological. It's biological and social as well. So, you know, if you're someone who, like, for instance, like in the African-American community, there's always a contentious relationship with law enforcement, you know, and, um, you know, being in uh, diverse kinds of neighborhoods, like, you know, like a neighborhood that was recently gentrified or something like that. And, you know, people, some people of color who might not have had an experience with, you know, living in a predominantly uh, uh, white neighborhood so the you know the, the you know they may have grown up with accepting certain kinds of stereotypes about how other people view them and this may sometimes lead to like a an attitude like oh you know i'm being rejected by this person and it could and it could very well in the case of african-americans most of the time it is valid that people do um uh view people in a in a stereotypical kind of kind of way so yes, it's social and it's and there's a genetic component to it. So if you have already told yourself, okay, you know, like I, I didn't really do too good in school, you know, I guess I can't really get this kind of job or, or maybe I have to, you know, do something else, you know. I, I'm talking about one specific case that's coming to mind where this, where, you know, he kind of went down this pipeline, like school to prison pipeline. You know, he ended up joining gangs because he wasn't able to get the validation and support of his, uh, you know, parents. And, um, you know, this is some of the cases that, that I'll see typically, you know, as an Asian therapist. So, you know, I, I have it listed that I have, you know, experience with African-American clients. And so it'll be the range. I'll see the range. I'll see professional folks of African-American background, and I'll also see folks on the other spectrum, people who have maybe come from, um, you know, lower socioeconomic background or, or had, and, and are still there, operate maybe on, a, on, you know, within the underground economy and so forth. So to, to that point that you just mentioned, because this was one of the questions that I had, um, what do you say to someone who wants therapy, but they only seek out a person of color? 
for cultural sensitivity, you know, references? Like, what do you, what do you say to that professionally and personally? Like if you can answer both. How, how I feel about people seeking like therapists of color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's very important to people. People really seek out, uh, uh, you know, POC kind of um, therapist because they feel validated. You know, there's been countless and countless examples of, uh, you know, clinicians, mental health clinicians and, and, and people who have just remained patients of color who felt historically invalidated about their experience, especially their experience of racism by uh, white therapists. It's actually pretty common, even though there's been you know, more strides that white, white clinicians, white, uh, uh, like therapists of, of a white heritage, European heritage have made towards, you know, understanding and becoming more culturally competent. That, that also had increased at the same time, you know, generation wise, but then you always see, you know, there's, there's, there's a divide and there's, and it's acknowledged in the profession and the, you know, so we're we're more able to talk about it more freely. I think it's great on a personal and professional level. So, so, well, that's one. So, I guess the other piece of this question, maybe I didn't ask it right. Right, I think when people are looking for therapists who are, you know, a person of color, right, mm -hmm. and as you know for sure, there's definitely a shortage especially with the pandemic that, you know, for every 10 people who want to do therapy and they want a, a, a person of color, it might be three available. Right. And not to mention insurance stuff and tears and all that type of stuff. Right. But for a person that only wants to see a person. And so if they don't get that thing and they don't have that box checked, they never explore that therapy. Like, what do you say to that? That it's a huge problem, and we're just now beginning to acknowledge it. Um, you know, as a whole, um, it, this this pandemic has brought on a lot of conversation about health and mental health because both are interconnected. Um, you can't just get one cause of disability that's expected by twenty thirty will be depression. So, mm. and it's it's de very debilitating. Um, because it it really affects a person's motivation to even seek help in the first place. That's how debilitating it is. Um, wow. So, right. So, I mean, it, it is a huge problem health-wise and mental health-wise. Uh, you know, 5% of the general population is depressed. So out of 100 people, you're going to find five people out of them will be depressed. If you're, like, let's say you're in a classroom with 25 people, one out of those 25 people more than likely is has had a major depressive episode. But is is it really, is it that low? I figured it would be more, actually. Actually, it's actually, it's pretty high. It's probably even higher. But that's 5% of the general population is pretty high. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Leah, did you have something? With, I didn't, did you have something else related to? Um, or I I, yeah. How does one know when it's actually time to seek help? Great question. Both the day you, the day, the day you say you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <a> good one. <laughs> that was, 
A lot of pressure that comes from marriage. That's true. Now what? You ain't gotta, you ain't gotta tell me about it. <laughs> I digress. As a as a married person for for almost ten years, I you know definitely can uh, agree to some extent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> marriage will bring its own set of stress to it yes you know it, whether whether someone's prepared or not prepared there's there's uh you know uh, there is certainly an element of it stress for sure and and with people who are depressed actually one of the signs is um that their their release of cortisol which is the stress hormone is kind of delayed to a later part of the day and one sign that someone is, uh, you know, depressed, they, they could probably see that the, the cortisol that's, that's, uh, that's in their body, you know, I, one of the signs that it's unhealthy, it's getting to an unhealthy point is that you, you, you get like a bunch of fat in your gut area, lower gut area. That's a sign that there's a cortisol problem. So you'll see that sometimes in patients who, who are experiencing depression. Uh, even though that they have a lack of appetite, that they have this um, accumulated uh, inflammation, you could say, in, in the lower gut area. That's from cortisol. You know, pressure okay. person's sleep, which directly affects the person's cortisol levels. The stress hormone. Yeah, so... Let me ask you, so in this vein of, of what Leah's saying, how do you know when to seek therapy? Mm -hmm. oh. It kind of ping-pongs it, it ping to a question that I had for couples. Uh -huh. um, let me make the statement first, and then I'll ask the question. So oftentimes in a couple, in a relationship, one feels like the other one needs therapy themselves before you want to have couples therapy. Right. Right. Um, well, you need to unpack some stuff first. And so, <laughs> you know, um, do you typically advise um, individual therapy first or like in tandem or like what do you do as a, a licensed professional? Well, what happens is sometimes usually we start with the person who initiates contact. So sometimes it's the wife or sometimes it's the husband. Sometimes the husband recognizes it's an issue and he wants to seek out therapy. Or she pushed him to the point where she said, hey, you know, if you don't see somebody. <laughs> gotta... I, I, I've heard that before. I, I have heard that before. You don't yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. You know, whole kind of big, uh, you know, <laughs> It's more accepting where it was less, it was more stigmatized previously. And, you know, women are standing up for themselves in mass numbers, which is a good thing, which is a positive thing, you know, especially if they notice any kind of negativity in the relationship or they notice that there's some kind of issue or some, you know, depression can, can take shape and can affect um, so many aspects of a person's life. So, and it can sometimes even lead to addiction, you know, uh, uh, you know, so there's anxiety, there's, you know, there's delusions that some people can have, you know, people kind of get, you know, who are depressed, they have this kind of like, um, you know, it's like, you'll try to remind them of some accomplishment that they had, 
and uh, they'll try to play it down or, or, or minimize it or even forget sometimes. So it's almost like a, also one aspect of depression is like a disconnect from, from reality. And, um, you know, disorganized thoughts at times, you know, they may start to look disheveled, like, you know, maybe showering less. They have like, a, they're, they're becoming, le they're less active. Uh, sometimes their speech is affected more than likely. It's usually the vegetative function. So the, you know, where it's primarily like um, uh, irritability, headaches sometimes, not getting enough sleep. Um, like like a lack of contact with their family and and friends, uh, they, you know, that that's uh, that's ways that it can manifest itself. That sometimes you know you could notice and and try to mention like, hey, you know, I'm noticing that you know your 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 sleeping has changed. Uh, you're more irritable. Um, you know, are you showing more anxiety or paranoia about something? Uh, it could have, it could, it, it's something that could take place after maybe like a trauma or something or, or, or some uh, uh, event like, like a car accident or a fight. You'll notice someone being more vigilant and anxious, which is granted, but, but then it can, it can also explode into a depression. And there's different levels. There's mild depression, there's moderate, there's major depression. Major depression can sometimes look like, you know, you're not going to work. It could be because, it could be kind of like something that evolves out of some grief that you have, general apathy um, about life, you know, which a lot of people had, you know, the we're also in a recession. You know, every point that we lose as far as, uh, you know, the unemployment, uh, numbers equates to about 10,000 deaths, yes. you know, and we're, you know, it's a, on, on a public health level, we haven't done enough to really look at the impact that, you know, depression and uh, all these environmental circumstances have had uh, on the general is, public. Is, is, oh, oh come on. Oh. <clears throat> Um, one of the things that you, so you just stated that there are um, different levels of depression that it yes. looks different, right? Yes. Is it harder for your, or easier for your spouse or your mate to recognize those signs in you? I think, I think it goes, it go. You, you make a great point because the most important thing that's really lacking is, is, is a general education about what depression looks like. I mean, people are becoming more aware, which is a good thing, um, but but you'll still see that there's a there's really like one there's a there's a lack of availability, and that kind of also connects to a lack of really proper screening uh, for mental health issues. Um, you know, could be a language. So I live in New York. So in New York, there's still issues with uh, finding culturally competent or, or language proficient providers in, in, in the healthcare setting. So, you know, it, it's a combination of issues. The number one public health crisis in the world is loneliness, right? And, and, uh, and a lack of education about what constitutes a, a healthy lifestyle. You know, then they have, you know, economic issues. You know, the more 
the uh, the the what if you're from like a lower economic uh, class or society, there are certain types of conditions that are more pronounced in those societies where there's a larger gap in wealth, you know, like more personality disorders, uh, which is like connected to like PTSD and complex PTSD that really go, you know, we're just now, we're, we're acknowledging it now. There hasn't been like this big push towards really funding. That's the big issue. And that kind of like ties into like the importance of advocacy so it's education and advocacy that's really important on the part of the community and society you know that will really make the change uh i think one more thing you raised sure. a good point about um um providers being aware right and so here's a moment of transparency a few years back probably like maybe 10 years back maybe 10, 11 years back, I don't know, a while back, um, I had a new PCP. And, um, you know, she was asking me a bunch of general questions. And she asked me one question, um, you know, based off of the things that I was telling her. And the question was, well, who takes care of you? Right? Because clearly, whatever she was asking me, it my responses were stating that, you know, I do this, I do that, I do this, and this is this for this person, this is for this person, and I have to be here for this person, I have to mm. be there for that person. Mm. And when she asked me that, like, I literally, like, broke down in tears, mm. right? And because I was constantly on go, I wasn't paying attention to myself, right? And I feel like that's what, you know, that's a lot of us, right? We, we're constantly on that go mode because we don't have time to sit still and, and think about our needs and our wants, right? Mm. Fast forward, you know, she was like, well, you know, I can't let you leave here like this. Mind you, I was on my lunch break. I had to go back to work. But she's like, I can't let you leave here like this. And I'm like, I have to go. Like, I just started this job. I can't. I can't do mm. this. I can't do this today. I don't have time to do this today with you or nobody else. Mm. Um, you know, I sat for a second. She gave me um, a psychiatrist information, right? I went to the appointment. And for me, it was weird because it was like a group session, right? And for me, I'm always thinking, well, you know, counseling, therapy, like that's that's a solo thing. I don't mm -hmm. want to be in a room with a bunch of different people that have mm -hmm. a bunch of different shit going on, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And for me, like I'm an absolute empath. So like I'm already going through my shit, can't recognize my own stuff mm -hmm. um, because I don't have time to but you want to put me in a room with other people that have a bunch of stuff happening. Mm -hmm. How is that going to help me? Right. Mm -hmm. One of the things that they did do though was, was like, okay, well, I'm going to write you a prescription. Then there was no real <laughs> conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write your, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to write your prescription. And you know, if you if you don't want a prescription and you want to see somebody make an appointment for, Three weeks from now, I didn't want the prescription because for me, I need to know how to cope. I don't want to, I don't want to rely on something, 
right? And even at the time, I didn't, like I stated, I didn't realize that, you know, I was depressed or I was, you know, having some emotional issues. Mm-hmm. I go to the appointment and I'm on the wrong floor. Mm-hmm. I finally get to the right floor. Even though I'm on the wrong floor, they checked me in. I get to the right floor. They're like, oh, we can't see you today. Oh my God. And my mind was like, wow, what if I was really unstable in that moment? That moment, I just was at my wit's end, and I decided to do whatever, right? Like, how does that work? How, how are people supposed to feel comfortable and confident in the care that is supposed to be given to them? Well, you're right. It doesn't work. That's what you're saying. That system doesn't work. And it's, it's, um, you know, really sorry to hear that that was your experience. Um, yeah, many things wrong with that. Um, I guess one good thing that I can kind of pull out is that you, you had some accessibility through your job, which I, is that EAP? Was that the EAP program, maybe? Employment Assistant Program? Or is it someone just... Oh. Like- Oh, I don't no, know. this was all my PCP. Your like PCP? I literally okay. was just going to my PCP. Uh huh. Okay. I thought I, I thought you went there through work. No. Okay. No, I was just on my lunch break. You're on your lunch break. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, there's multiple things that are wrong with that. First of all, I mean, you know, there should be a conversation about uh, medication. That is that that is one of the treatment methods that presently exists along with talk therapy. Um, there are issues with that. There's you know there's there's about fifty percent efficacy in in uh, the medications that kind of exist right now. SSRIs, tricyclics, um, and and uh, there are other classifications as well. SNRIs. So so basically. You know, there should be a conversation about the types of treatment methods out there. Um, there, there, there are more options now. You should, there should have been a conversation about what these medications would do. They should have given you a proper screening. You know, if it was your primary physician, they should have given you like the patient health questionnaire, which is like a nine. Uh, question uh, assessment. There are also, you know, so there needs to be proper assessments done. There needs to be a proper process of referring you out to a uh, mental health outpatient center. And, you know, but, you know, and it seems like you had one. And when you got there, there was... It just wasn't the right fit. Oh, my. Oh, it wasn't the right fit. Or is it that they didn't have you scheduled down? Properly. So my PCP, my PCP did, you know, I feel like my PCP did everything she needed to do. But once I got down, once I refused the medication, uh, I'll say this. Once I refused the medication, it seemed as though, well, we can't help you. Oh, and for me, right. I know that, you know, with medication, it's, it's absolutely trial and error, right? It is like, trial I know and error. That. Yeah. And you should, and it's, 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 you know, you can start with therapy and have a conversation about gradually, you know, and then you can also tell your, 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 you know, your therapist, you know, it's not, I don't really feel comfortable talking about it now, you know, so early in treatment, you know, could we probably have a few sessions before we, you know, 
talk about it in that way. And generally, right. a good, you know, clinician will not just jump to it in the first session, you know, you should allow a person to really talk about, you know, but assessment, especially during the first three to six months, you know, generally is probably the best way to, to move forward. I think, uh, you know, right. So, but I guess that that's, that's the point that that's the part that was missed. There was no real assessment. It was just a group of people um, who had some stuff going on. Right. And, And, you know, and group therapy, so like, general, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say group therapy, you know, not everyone is open to it in the beginning. Sometimes it takes a while. I don't think they should have just put you in a group just like that. I mean. Right. You know, and they. And, that, and that's what, and that's exactly what, what it was. It was just like, it, it felt like, to me, it felt like um, somebody was herding cattle. Like, oh, you you have a problem? Oh, you you're sad? Oh, you're unhappy? Or or are you upset? Oh, everybody, just come over here and and have a seat. Fill this fill this piece of paper out that only asks you your name, your date of birth, your insurance information. Uh, yes. So right. it's, it's and now how I can help you is take this medicine. So there's right, someone. Right. Um, that's there's not proper. Room. That's not proper treatment. Mrs. Henson 80 says similar story with me as well. I said I didn't feel comfortable with the medication on the very first visit. And I mm-hmm. think that a lot of people can relate to that very thing. It reminds me of the movie Gridlocked. And I don't know how many people, you know, that's on remember that movie or even old enough to see it. But that's the movie with Tupac and um, I think James Belushi. Oh, um, you know, and, and they weren't seeking, um, you know, the therapy in a sense of, of mental anguish, but they were seeking substance abuse, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember, and I don't remember all of it, but I think like, you know, Tupac, he stabbed himself, he came with this whole big plan. He was like, I stabbed myself and I go sit in the ER and blah, blah, blah. And I think that, you know, the stuff that we're seeing now with the documentaries that's coming out, um, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, Percocets and, and all these different, um, intentional efforts of saying that this medication does this and it's non-addictive. However, as time has revealed, they knew what it was and they still pushed it out. Right. And so then that creates a certain, um, a certain distrust, you know, and, and as black people in particular, when it comes to the government, when it comes to, healthcare professionals, yeah. when it comes to education professionals, there's such a distrust because there's documented things of like, you don't care about me, mm-hmm. right? So my, I guess, so with me saying that, my question to you is, um, as a person that went through schooling, right? And regardless of where you actually studied, like as a, as a human being, as a human being, mm-hmm. um, do you, um, I don't want to say subscribe, but for lack of better terms, do you subscribe to um, holistic approaches in addition to or instead of, you know what I mean? I think typically like a lot of doctors um, of of most sorts that I've been talking to, even like um, uh, acupuncture, like, "Ah, I don't really. And it's like, well, acupuncture is effective. I don't really so I want to ask you, like, what's your what's your thoughts on 
it really it really all depends on the person treatment wise you know it depends on the person depends on the person's receptivity to certain types of treatments uh whether they want to go do the best the best kind of treatment i think is being able to be open to all kinds of treatments or at least exploring a conversation of what that would be like that means proper education about what it is that the person is experiencing whether it's depression anxiety whether it's ADHD OCD you know so there's you know we're primarily talked about depression and mental health issues i think we're really you know generally talking about that it should certainly be a conversation um there are holistic kinds of supplements that i sometimes do bringing uh, bring up during session uh there used to be more stringent kinds of restrictions on being able to talk about it um but i've never really you know supervisors the old attitude was like you know just stick to the regular kind of like antidepressant medications or or whatever psychotropics are are available medications are are available but now we've seen especially with the big push towards exploring um treatment with uh hallucinogenic or or um uh those kinds of treatments hallucinogenic and and uh psilocybin mushroom uh psychedelic treatment they're mm-hmm. going to push away from the traditional model which has kind of been phasing out anyway so the medication model has been phasing out in favor of treatments like uh TMS transcranial magnetic stimulation which is where you you wear like a helmet with um yeah, magnets yeah magnets there that kind of stimulate parts of the brain uh that 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 are indicative of you know being in- inactive or because of depression so mm. so right uh, well, did that end let, depression yeah yeah let me ask you um you know cuz i think the the conversation is absolutely powerful with with organically going in different spaces as we were hope hoping for so you know thank you again oh you will um you know my question is in the beginning stages of dating and courting um if you can answer what are some telling like open-ended questions that a person can ask to maybe gain a more well-rounded picture of that person so you know yeah i won't give examples but you you know yes no i sometimes have clients female clients who mainly primarily who cuz guys don't really have a low <laughs> standard for what they kind of screen for well <laughs> <laughs> you know because women have to be more selective no women have thanks to for be being more... thanks for being honest about no, that no it's true i mean <laughs> men you know don't really come to treatment they're usually here if it's you know related to a breakup like oh you left <laughs> you know um you know she you know she left me or something happened or she lied to me you know she broke my heart that's typically what they come in for and women i, I know i i know that world i know it's yeah <laughs> no we we too that's part of you know uh manhood right to yeah adulthood really 
That's just manhood, adulthood. It's all egotistical, but I'll let you go. It's all egotistical. (laughs) (laughs) Well, women have to be more selective because women are getting pregnant. So women have to carry the load of the child. So they have to be more selective. And so the women will come in and they'll be, you know, females will come in and they'll say, hey, you know, like I met this really nice guy. He's very charming, um, you know, but I just got out of a rocky relationship not so long ago or a while ago. And, you know, I I, I kind of noticed that, you know, he said something in a certain kind of way or, you know, I kind of. Uh, you know, we've been dating for a while, six months, and all of a sudden, I, I I heard him have a conversation with his mother, and you know, it was like really toxic, or you know, he has a, a generally, you know, I, or I or I came, you know, we we walked in, we were walking in the mall, and I see his ex, and you know, and they, you know, she might have looked like really messed up or something like that, and it's like, oh, you know, like. Why'd you end up with someone like that? So it could so a range of questions typically you kinda wanna know about his uh his relationships with his, you know, family members, um, you know, some of the comments that he's 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 making with regards to certain topics. I mean, women generally uh on average have really good instincts. But sometimes, you know, it really all depends. Sometimes, yeah, I mean, you have to really follow your gut. What I'll say is, women are generally attracted to men who, in in the short term, uh, men who are more cunning, uh, more um, that have like more sociopathic traits. Generally, in the short term, but long term, they really will be more focused on finding someone who is more stable, more, more honest, as opposed, that's why you have like a lot of women who go through that initial heartbreak. And then they, they, they realize, Hey, you know, it's not always about, you know, the handsome guy with the motorcycle and the tattoo, <laughs> six, six, seven bodybuilder, you know, let me go for, you know, let me um, go for the guy who really liked me in in in, in college or high school or something like the that. Short, somewhere, the short, somewhere, the short right. fat guy with acne. That's what you're saying. <laughs> acne. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you know, but look, sometimes it'll that'll that'll be the thing to do it for them. You know, but generally, overall, women have to be with the. It's they prefer being in a relationship with a guy that they can adore more, because when uh, when 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 they're in a relationship where it's the other way around and they're the ones who are the object of a lot of attention and devotion and being adored they they like it less they're less happier they're less um, happier. tell me Tell me about it that that was my life for the first half of Lee and I's relationship but i I digress so um miss Hinton Mrs. Hinton, thank you very much um you know. Uh, Leah asked the question to her, um, just basically just following up to her comment to see if she was able to seek treatment. And she said she was uh, misdiagnosed without even a conversation mm-hmm. and a prescription. Um, she moved out of state and got the proper help. So, you know, that that's excellent to hear. And we're happy to hear that. And I think, you know, to that point that Mrs. Hinton said, Mrs. Hinton 80 said, um, Regardless if it's mental health, if you're going for, you know, uh, a yearly physical, like we have to be better at being our, our, our best advocates. 
right? Just because you go to a, a doctor and they're like, oh, you look unbelievable and you're running a marathon. Good for you. And this is great. And they check you off as a clean bill of health. You know, if you know that when you cough, you know, like you feel a sharp pain in your chest, you need to make sure that you explore that, right? Because doctors are not, they're not God, right? And so there, there's, there's a such thing as a second or third opinion. Now, with that being said, I've met some people that have gone into six, seven, eight different appointments. I think when you start doing that, you're just asking for trouble because, you know, everyone doesn't assess and diagnose the same. Um, so, you know, it's a struggle. It really is a struggle for people out there. Accessibility is a struggle and finding a provider that you just click with, that you click with just right is also a struggle. Um, you know, finding therapists who are in network is a struggle. Um, right. So, you know, there's, there's multiple issues and it really, you know, the, the best approach is kind of like a community advocacy kind of approach where you know people are saying okay let's prioritize health that was really the main agenda of the past uh, few um presidential elections we've had you know and especially now post pen well we're still in the pandemic you know mm -hmm. we'll probably be in for like another two years but i imagine <laughs> that you know now and you know in the at least in the immediate future I would hope that the main priority is healthcare. You know, if we had a system like Medicare for all or a single payer kind of program, you know, more people would have been able to access, you know, the right types of treatment for themselves. And, you know, there probably would just be an overall improvement to our healthcare okay. system. You know, we well, spend, we spend more on, on air conditioning for the military than like the budget for, NASA in the past, you know, five or 10 years. So, I mean, wow. all of our money is being put towards war, right? They got, Tupac said, they got money for wars, but can't feed the poor. Exactly. Know, one of my favorite songs and lyrics, yes. And it's still true. And I think, you know, to that point, it's definitely, um, it's a multi-layered approach that needs to happen um, in a sense where, you know, with the Medicare for all or the single payer system, you know, just having a situation where people going into the profession, and this is, you know, I think there's conversations, more conversations with Biden with student loan forgiveness, right? If, if people are much more savvy now and knowing that when you graduate, it's going to take you 30, 40 years to pay off that loan, you're less likely to, like, that's not attractive. Regardless of what your passion is, it's just not attractive. So I think in, in tandem with the single payer or the Medicare for all, having the attractive incentives for more professionals to come into the space, because even if it is Medicare for all, it's just not enough clinicians to be able to see everyone. It's just right. not. Right. So right. You know, that's a whole separate. So as, as, we're, um, yes. we're great as, we're, as we're coming to... Um, a close. I wanted to ask you one question, and then I had uh, we had an idea that we wanted to do, um, and I told you Leah was busy. See, she put the phone down, and you know, yeah. she's out like She'll... you know, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. She's, um, so I wanted to no, ask you. No, a question. I'm still here. I just uh, okay. Carry on. Yeah, knock it off. So um, I have a question. Do you see any couples that are poly or in open marriages? 
poly or open marriages. No, no, I don't see that. Really? Right. Even though I am Muslim, and <laughs> you would think, right? You would think that, that would be, you know, but no, it's more like people like guys who are struggling with, you know, trying to stop cheating as opposed to, you know, 250, 250,000 men out of a million uh, are. It's in, more guys uh, who have some kind of. Who are cheating? cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Leah, that's, hey, 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 Leah, that's a real thing, right? Let's not make fun of it because oh, it's no, a real. Stop trying to cheat. Oh my God, jeez, this what? is a set. So we'll be back with part two, right? Let's let's table right. that. Uh, no, I'll, I'll give you another interesting statistic. Okay, less than one percent of women can be in a relationship with a guy that's not in a relationship with a woman. I believe that. I just that. That's a lot, I right? I believe that, that. Is, that's a lot worldwide. I mean, that's you know. So it's just I'm just bringing it up. So, so. so repeat that. You said less than one percent of women. Less than one percent of women are are unable to be in a relationship with a man who's not in a relationship already. So they want taking goods. They want so. to either they're willing to either be a mistress or they are interested in like a. You know, Leah, you know. I mean, that's the city girls. <laughs> you listen to that every day. Exactly. I'll take your man. I had him on the side. He, I had him taste me, came back to you, all that good stuff. I know. Exactly. So anyway. So, that, could, so this that, was, could, that could be, you know, that now it's not, it's not really entirely certain whether that's a present phenomenon, like a modern phenomenon or something. I mean, if you, if you really look at it, it's probably come in waves throughout our society you know this has always been an issue you know the the dissolution the dissolution and the and the factors and the influences that are that are present in society that contribute to the dissolution of marriage and healthy relationships mm. you know it's really a, it's really is a problem yeah don't snap you know we went that from, we went from you know elevating lauren hill right um, and to now, you know, not to say that these these artists aren't gifted, the city girls, you know, very very talented, right? But but look at the change in the message over the course of of, of years, in popular music, you know, hip hop and uh, well, as a you know, hip hop and R and B, you know, it's gotten so, so more I think, raunchy. I think that the yeah. change in course of that right is now saying, you're not gonna play me. I'm making the choice to do this. This is not your decision. Is that tomato, tomato? <laughs> no, city girl. You know, I, I don't mean to just pick on them at all. You know, Meg the Stallion. You can, yeah. Hey, Cardi. Hey, all. You're uh, a hater. Yep, yep. That snap your fingers, Leah. Yep, yep, yep. You know, there's, you know, it, it, it is an issue overall. There is an issue with generally our ability to deal with issues in marriage it's it's it this, so there has to be like a balance between what we are able to tolerate what we need to address and you know our expectations because there's a lot of discontent in society you know and that's one of the leading uh um you know the the part the part of the brain that's associated with contentment is serotonin so a lot of people who are depressed are, are on ssris and ssris 
they it's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor so they help to produce more serotonin in the brain which is associated with feeling a level of contentment or gratitude one of the number one ways to treat depression is to be more grateful for what you be grateful i encourage my clients i say listen be what are what are some of the things you can be grateful for can you be grateful for the th- the gifts that you didn't ask for my sight my hearing my ability to walk you know speak right, right? senses wow. how many people lost their taste of uh, of smell and taste because of covid mm. you know so a lot so of so can i can i bring you back just one second sure, right sure, back to the um the men struggling with eating Oh, God, Liam. We're running out of time. <laughs> no, no. That's okay. That's okay. We got time for this. Well, we jumped around a bit. It's okay. My question with that is, since you see so many clients, right, that are struggling, what are some of the reasons? I'm not seeing so many clients with the cheating issue. That's not. Let me not say that. Okay. I just know that it's a it's an issue. It's a, it, it's it's, it's an epidemic out here. <laughs> it's it's so so. What are some of the so? What are some of the reasons that they are stating? This is why I cheat. This is why it's so hard. Well, this is not, Leah, life Leah, is so hard being Leah. with one person. No, oh my god, it, it's not. This, I, this, I love her. I really do. I love her, but I just Has- have to have Samantha. Hassan, um, I, 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 I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. Samantha. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know who's saying that. <laughs> I don't know how many Samanthas are out there. It's, I mean that I don't know how many times Samantha's really brought up in, in sessions. But hold on. So the thing is, um go ahead, no, no, you wanted to say something, Daniel? No, I just you know, I, I apologize. You know, I thought we were having a high level conversation. It just went down. Don't play with me. You know, we Michelle, are. You know, Michelle Obama, really important. When they go high, when they go low, we you know it's that when they go low, we go high. So so Michelle Obama. Um so. I don't want to. So um, the thing that ran on the beat said black men don't cheat. That's a lie, but that's word okay. Word to Charlemagne. Word, word, word to Charlemagne. Word to do little Duval. Little Duval. Word. That's the real thing. And yeah. God, we trust. <laughs> yeah, brown men. Brown men don't mm-hmm. cheat. <laughs> mm-hmm. So basically, look. Until uh, they do, right? But like, why? What? What's some other reasons why? Sometimes it's because. Uh, it could be different reasons. Uh, yeah. Usually, so like, why men get cheated? Life. So sometimes men get cheated on. Ah, uh, yeah, no, that's not the I'm question. Just, Don't do that because they're depressed. I just, I just heard it yet today. It's a, yeah, it's the truth. So there, there's a cheating. You know, it's one of the factors that are affecting marriages, not just now, but historically, it's coming waves. Historically, it's coming waves. Um, so one yes, of the so insecurities, fancy indeed. Sorry, what was that? No, they're their own um, insecurities. Somebody commented that could, that's fancy indeed said their own insecurities. Yes, and so I think that you know, like you know, yes, men do get cheated Very on, true. right? But why? How many times have that woman been cheated on or treated unfairly or? Well, you can't generalize, especially when it's something like infidelity. I mean, well, 
I mean, for me, for me, seeing people here, I have to really treat people as an individual, reject the generalizations because every story is different. Everyone comes to yeah, everyone comes to the. But you just did. You just generalized, so I'm just giving it back to you. I'm I'm generalizing (laughs) here. You know, I'm not really addressing a certain case, but every case has to be you know different. You have to treat a person like a blank slate when you're trying to really get to the. Uh, real factors, but insecurities, male insecurities is a big factor. Yes, men who generally may feel like they have, it, it could be different reasons. So one of the reasons that's coming to mind for me is that they are insecure because they don't know what it's like to be in a healthy relationship. That's an insecurity. You know, they're always used to chaos and, you know, and 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 really getting into a relationship really quickly, uh, really intense kind of relationship. But it always ends in some kind of um, some toxic kind of, uh, you know, where, where toxicity takes over the relationship, you know, because That's they're not. Be so. You know, that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it could, you know, it what you say? Repeat that. <laughs> Nothing, babe. We're running out of time. It doesn't matter. We'll we'll do for next one. Well, Cardi, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I enjoy Cardi B's music. She's a very talented I, artist from New York. I do too. She makes good records, but it's so great. Recently, but you know, she even recently, she even recently came out and said like she she feels like a different type of energy when she's putting out certain records that are popular that get certain kind of play because she's talking about violence. I mean, that's really what made her stand out in the beginning. She was rapping about a lot of sh- street stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, you know, there's a, a lot of violence is very closely uh, related to your, uh, you know, your mental state and your spiritual state and uh, your, your, your psychological state in essence, right? Psyche mm-hmm. is really Greek for the soul. That's how it is interpreted, uh, uh, you know, in, in Greek philosophy and in Western psychology. So there's Western, there's Eastern psychology, there's Afrocentric based psychology. Um, you know, two of the psychologists that we could, you know, talk about who did the doll study, it was, it was, a, it was a male and female uh, that's psychologist. what put the black doll and the white doll. Yes, I'm gonna get you their yeah. name. Um, they were Kenneth and Mamie Clark. Yes, Kenneth and Mamie Clark. Yes, sorry, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I remember the names. I remember yeah. discussing it, but it's been such a while since you know I've, I've had a class that really focused on that. I think that's something that's really important. That's kind of missing. Uh, overall in academia, I mean, I, when I was going to school, I had my professor, Brian Stevenson, um, was, he taught a class on black psychology where he taught us all the names of these um, black psychologists throughout history. Um, I really think there needs to be a resurgence and and uh, bringing to the public uh a lot of what their work were, was, you know, uh, uh, therapists and clinicians of color and psychologists, researchers of color, because they bring that perspective 
that's it's still very, relevant very today. Way. It's very, very relevant today. It's very relevant. Um, and like the brown paper bag, um, you know, that, that study with the, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so so we're, we're ending and we're right at the time, but I think that this is, um, this is like, so this, is ha- this has to be super quick, no explanations, right? And then we'll close out and I want you to just kind of um, give your information to the folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is called good idea, good idea or no bueno, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so note taking or journaling as a client while you're in a session. Good you idea or no bueno? Of me documenting during session? No, no, no. Because you, because the clinicians are definitely documenting and they're taking their notes. Uh, uh, but me, as I'm talking to you and you're talking to me and. We're having a discussion, it's, me like actually like writing stuff down good. or putting it in yes. my phone. It's a good idea. Okay. Um, discussing your session with your spouse or trusted friend afterwards. Good idea or no bueno? It dep- it's context dependent, but generally it's a, it, it, it could be a good idea. It's okay. context dependent, yes. Okay. Um, seeing your therapist in public and introducing them as such to friends and family, good idea or no bueno? Generally, we talk about it. Like sometimes it's context dependent, really depends on the person's comfort level. Like, let's say you live in the same town as your therapist, you know, it really, you know, some people are open, very open and okay with it. Some people don't want their family to know they're in treatment. So Mm. generally, you know, people sometimes will will go towards wanting to be more private as opposed mm. to open. Okay. But, Fair mm-hmm. enough. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> bueno. No um, bueno. Yeah. No bueno. So, um, all right. So we are closing. Um, thank you so much. And this will not be the last conversation. You see how Leah appeared. She probably was like, you know, taking shots and double fisting, you know, loggers and stuff. Nah. Um, Why are you here. such a hater? I, I mean, you know, it's just you're it, supposed you're, to love and support your wife, and right now that's not what you're doing. Years of heartbreak okay. has brought me to this point, and it's just like you know, I lash out. I need to, you know, I need to use. You need uh, therapy. Hassan. I need. I need to reach out to Hassan and have these discussions. Sure. So um, you need to unpack. I need to unpack. Yeah. So, um, so can you tell uh, the people who are listening? Um, how to get in touch with you, anything that you're working on, um, and just kind of let that be known. And again, this is not the final discussion that we will have. Uh, well, thank you again for having me on. I, I really enjoyed the, the dynamic and the interplay and the um, chemistry you both have. I think it's really great, inspiring. People should try to have good chemistry in their marriage. I, I, I think you have good chemistry here. And... Uh, you know, I liked. You know, it'd be really great if you could have me on again, and I'd be willing to come on and really talk to more of your uh, followers and viewers. Um, you could find me. Uh, I'm I'm based in New York. Uh, I'm working. I'm on Long Island, uh, working at Evolve Psychiatry, uh, EvolvePsychiatry.healthcare. You can find me on there. You can go onto Google and just type in Hassan Ali, uh, licensed therapist. Uh, LMSW and and my information will pop up, um, and I offer in in person. I also offer virtual sessions, and in in network. And I also 
take some private pay if you're not in network. So, but we take a whole lot of uh, many insurances. So, you know, definitely reach out. Uh, my number is on available online. If you go on psychology today and type in Hassan Ali, New York, um, I'll definitely pop up. Okay. So I'll definitely, um, I'm going to reach out to you and send Leah out because she's definitely, you know, um, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, yeah, we'll talk right. offline. Okay. Yeah, no, I see, you see, I have two, uh, what is this? I don't know if you can turn this around. We got chairs right here. For <laughs> All right. Whenever you're ready. All right. Exactly. All right. So thank you so much. Um, this is a special edition of Wedlocked and Loaded Instagram Live. Um, you know, thank you so much again, and we will see you guys again. Um, be kind to each other um, and be grateful. Right? I like that. Yeah. All right, signing off. Good night, everyone. Light and love. Good night. Thank you so much. Wedlocked and loaded. Well, well, wedlocked and loaded.